Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, a lifelong homeschooling parent, author, and president of Chula Vista Christian University, a four-year university that centers on mentor-driven, Bible-based, debt-free higher education. Visit us at cvcu.us to see how we are taking back education for the next generation. If you're new to the show, be sure to scroll back on my podcast for some tips on breaking free from the system. If you're a pastor and you'd like to know more about how you can play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation, go to cvcu.us and click the Start an Academy tab. We can have your campus running in four weeks anywhere in the United States. Parents, we have le- three levels of support for you. Our church-based support classes, our annual conference, and our college degree programs. You can earn your bachelor's degree in political science, engineering, psychology, education, business, communication, and much more, all within the context of a biblical worldview. You can get all the details at cvcu.us. Well, we just had our fall visit day this week, and I wanted to thank all of the churches who came to support us. We had such a tremendous time of encouragement and equipping as we demonstrated our signature Socratic model to the community. And as our listeners know, obviously, I'm super passionate about seeing education reformed and renormed in the United States because as believers, when we see destruction and dysfunction in the culture, it's our moral mandate to step in as agents of change. And many of you know that I stood at the front of the college classroom for 20 years and I became convinced that modern education was literally broken beyond repair, that just as Jesus flipped the temple tables, it was time for us to flip the American classroom from kindergarten to college. You know, everywhere around us in the culture, but particularly in the education system, the pagan gods of Marxism and humanism are spewing out their aggressively anti-faith, anti-family doctrine. It's like this academic volcano that melts every dissident in the path of its lava flow. And when you track this movement across the United States, you'll see that it almost always begins in the nation's universities. Aren't we seeing this unfold before us on social media right now? The culture of influence is spiritual apostasy masquerading as academia. We've talked about the Campus Renewal Project before on the show. It's a project that showed that 70% of college freshmen from Christian homes walk away from the faith by the end of their freshman year. Josh McDowell, Ken Ham, they've showed similar stats for state high schools. You know, a kid gets a, a full ride scholarship to Berkeley, great, but students are gaining the world and losing their souls. And I wish, how I wish, I could say that it was just the overtly pagan state institutions that are complicit here, but friends, it's not. Sadly, Christian colleges across the United States are guilty of the same tragic outcomes. Over the past 25 years, I've watched college after college bow to the dictates of the state, ignoring the directives of the Bible, hiring unbelieving professors, and lining their websites with woke ideologies so they'll look more like the world. What are we doing? 
Luke 640 tells us that the student will become like the teacher. We become like the company we keep. And that is why it is so important to choose carefully the influences that surround us, both in in the college environment, our professor to student interactions, and also our student to student interactions. Those are both significant influential considerations. You've heard me say it a million times on the show, I know, but Plato's quote that the two most vital questions any civilization must ask are, who is teaching the children and what are they being taught? As I wrote in my book, Outsourced, Why America's Kids Need an Education Revolution, we've lost our anchors of attachment as America's children have been outsourced to pagan indoctrination centers, or maybe even worse, outsourced to colleges that claim to be Christian, but deny the power and authority of Jesus in both their practices and their hiring policies. Their institutional hearts have been captivated by lesser gods. Sadly, as I've said many times, a lot of Christian colleges are little more than a secular textbook with a Jesus bumper sticker slapped on the cover. Friends, it's time for us to reclaim the moral and intellectual authority of Christendom and restore the voice of the parent and the pastor to its rightful place and culture. I believe that the nation's educational ecosystem must be radically changed for the sake of the mental, physical, and spiritual health of the next generation. And as you know, that's why I founded Chula Vista Christian University. And that's why I founded 32 homeschool support academies across the United States, working with pastors, homeschool leaders, and culture shapers to renorm and reform education. I know you've heard me say that. CVCU is college, different kind of our tagline, but this is what we mean by that. Here's our, our five-fold approach to the ARM, the academic rescue mission. We're mentor-driven, so in our model, we use circles instead of rows, and this helps to restore the relational attachment that's been lost. It helps to create family-centric, community-centric models of education, we're inquiry-based, which means we inspire curiosity, real-world problem-solving problem skills. This is discussion-based. It's inquiry-based. Great questions from the professor and that student-to-student interaction piece that's so important. We're faith-fueled. Every one of our professors is both academically qualified and spiritually grounded. They are people who complete that Nehemiah Institute's Biblical Worldview test, the peers test that I've talked about before on the show, because again, the student will become like the teacher. We're virtue-minded. We have redeemed the original intention of general education. This wasn't an expected outcome. It was really more of a serendipitous outcome in the program, but because we really focused on the heart of general education and its practical application to every aspect of life, and really the goal of GE is to become well-rounded citizens. We really have, I think, captured that. We've, we've, renewed our focus on the the noble, the pure, the praiseworthy, the good. And finally, we're affordable. We are affordable. Our flattened hierarchical model cuts the cost of private education in half, less than half, a third. If you look at the college prices in California, $40,000 a year on average. And if you're living on campus, another $11,000 to live on campus a year. Come on, guys, this is crazy. This is insane. We've cut that down to almost a third of the traditional education cost. You can learn more about that at cvcu.us. At our visit day this week, some of our existing students shared a few fast facts about CVCU. 
First, our scholastic model was built on 20 years of research in the fields of developmental science, educational methodology, neuroscience, of course, the foundations of scripture as well. Our classes utilize those mentor-driven faith-based formats that help students develop critical thinking and problem-solving skills that have practical, not just theoretical applications. And as I said, our students graduate debt-free. They learn in an accelerated model where they take 18 units a semester, attending classes in person two days a week, and then staying committed to church, internships, family. Remember this college bubble I've talked about where students get trapped in this paradigm where their whole life is college and then they don't want to graduate because they don't have a network or friendships, any kind of professional relationships outside the college model. That's that's not the goal of college. Well, at least it shouldn't be. <laughs> it's not to create perpetual students and perpetual adolescents. Our goal should be to grow them up and get them acquainted with the real world that they're entering to be able to shift the culture, right? So this this model of the two-day-a-week students again, very much like what we built in the homeschool academies over the last 20 years. It gives them margin for for networking, for developing real world skills. It helps them to succeed. It's, um, it, it's a whole different model, a whole different paradigm that values the student's time and really helps with even the concept of time management and using our, using our time for the glory of God. Our Model, of course, another powerful fast fact is that we are a debt-free model. We have world-class professors, we have a personalized approach, but yet we are still the lowest-priced university on the West Coast. Uh, Private schools don't get funding from the government, and if they do, they're in danger of having strings attached, so watch out for that. Uh, But the average student at CVCU works about 15 hours a week to pay for school and graduate debt-free. Now, some students, obviously, their parents help them, so they're not paying for school on their own. They don't have to work that many hours, but 15 hours, five hours a day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, is realistic. It helps students to manage their time and manage their finances, and they have a buy-in if they're helping to pay for school a little bit. Now, we don't micromanage that. We're not making you do that with your family, but We do show that it's possible for a student to graduate debt-free and pay on their own, which is something really uh, that builds their confidence and they're really the way they think about themselves and their ability. Another one of our fast facts is that uh, we use a Socratic model. Now, the Socratic model doesn't mean that there's no clear directive or no clear truth. What we mean by that is that there's a discussion orientation and students have to come to class prepared. They can't uh, get by without doing the reading. And it, for those of you that have taught in traditional college, you know that that's, you know, 80% of the class is sitting in the back and they haven't done the reading. In this model, Socratic only works if you come with your assignments done. Uh, but students have to come to class prepared to discuss the great questions. They um, There's this dynamic and rich and engaging and inspiring culture because there's, there's honor, uh, because everyone showed up prepared. There's uh, nurture and admonition, which is the parental directive that God gives us in in His Word. Rather than a sage on the stage, our professors are a guide on the side. They're helping students discover what we already know is true, what the Word already tells us is true. Again, it's not a your truth, my truth uh, piece. It's helping students find what God has already written His law on the conscious on our conscience in our hearts, right? And so, if our students are reading and they're studying, we're training them how to hear from the Lord. It's a really powerful process. Again, it's a whole new paradigm of education when we when we consider that most educational formats are just a teacher saying. 
this is what I think is important. Memorize my words. Well, that is not education. It's certainly not transformative education. It certainly doesn't train students how to think critically or how to problem solve. It teaches them how to memorize. Well, yay, good for you. But that's not shifting the culture, right? We need students who can think critically, who can think above the level of the problems that we're facing right now in our culture. And this whole student development model model is a place where professors challenge students, not just academically, but relationally. You know, in a close-knit group, there are going to be disagreements. There are going to be times where people are offended. And training students in their teenage years to work through offense, do you know how powerful that is? Imagine just for a moment, all the people that you know who are adults who are so offended at someone, they cannot have a normal conversation with them. Well, we're training students to work through those principles in a Matthew 18 way uh, right now while they're teens. We also have um, this a unique process at CVCU. The first year of our studies introduces students to the field. They have a general arts, you know, liberal arts education, the Bible Foundations mentors. The second year, they continue those GE courses, but then they also begin to break out into mentor meetings with someone who's a practitioner in the field. And then the third and fourth years, they work with mentors and in internships that are designed to help them excel in their field of choice and really importantly to figure out if that is the the field that they really want to go into because obviously that's valuable information as well. We do have a high bar at CVCU. You know, our students have to be members of a local Christian church. They have to attend regularly. They have to know, be known, um, our professors have to be members of a local church. They have to be Bible-believing Christians, academically qualified. I challenge you to ask any other Christian university if they can say the same thing. Do their professors attend and serve in a local church? Do their pastors know them? Are they accountable spiritually, relationally? Did they pass the peers' biblical worldview test at the Nehemiah Institute? I mean, these are all really important considerations when we consider Luke 640, that the student will become like the teacher. And our final fast fact that we shared is our building program. So excited about our incredible partnership with architect David Elliott, who spent 25 years building celebrity homes in Pebble Beach, and then God called him into the nonprofit realm. Be sure to follow us on social media to learn more about our amazing solar powered campus that he has designed for us and and even find out how you could get a building named after your family uh, on our new campus. Maybe you've seen that drawing that illustrates two perspectives. One is an older woman who's looking down or a younger woman looking away. This was a sketch that appeared on a postcard in 1888 and was kind of renamed and repurposed by a British cartoonist in a humor journal a few years later, 1915. And its analysis has been this kind of source of speculation for over a century. A study in the journal Science found that the image we perceive first on the postcard, the older or the younger woman, is largely due to our own age because we see through the lens of our own self-reflection. We have selective attention toward experiences that are important to us, and this heightens the perception of prevalence. So for example, if you're planning to buy a new car, suddenly it seems like everyone is driving that specific model of car, not because the production of that car increased, but because your own awareness is heightened. And this this phenomenon is largely determined by three factors, our culture, our context, and our cohort. 
The culture in which we live and were raised has a bearing on our interpretation of events. It has an it has an impact on our response to those events. People who are from for example, expressive cultures, they're more likely to vent verbally than to stew silently over a problem. People in small towns are more prone to greet one another on the streets than people who live in large cities. When I moved to Miami from my small town of in Illinois, 2,100 people in one stoplight, I couldn't figure out why no one in the city responded to my courteous good morning as I addressed people on my hikes and um that's because that wasn't a thing in the city. <laughs> a culture can be a family, a town, it could be a larger macro hole that shares some aspect of value or connectivity, but that culture that we grow up in can determine, can impact, especially on more of an autonomic scale, our interpretation of and our response to life events. And when we think about the kind of culture that Gen Zs are growing up in today, when we think about the culture of public schools and uh, what students are being taught, who is teaching the students again, what are they being taught and who is teaching the students, the the culture even of live and let live that is completely antithetical to the great commission, go and make disciples is the opposite. <laughs> go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's the opposite of live and let live culture. But you know, these, this culture that that people grow up, that we all grow up in, is has a significant bearing on um, on our on our vantage point, on our on our point of view, even on our mindset. Our cohort uh, is also affecting that. Our cohort a cohort is a group of people who share roughly the same age category. They have a connectedness through shared events of impact. If I asked my former millennial students what they were doing when the news of 911 reached them, they could remember that with vivid detail. They were connected by the event in the same way that the cohort before them might have been connected by the assassination of JFK. Um, my Gen Z students are too young to recall 9-11, but they have special emotional attachments to the day's events just because of things that they've heard. Um, but they have many other events that have, have connected them. Obviously, social media is one of the biggest influences for Gen Z culture. And we even see a break in the culture between 25 and 20, uh, some significant differences because students were given a phone at an earlier age as the, in, in the younger portion of that Gen Z. So it'll be interesting to see as we uh, continue to study generations, if we see a, a big gap there, like we do uh, certainly with the boomer generation. And the last two generations were taught in this context, this cohort of politically correct public systems where they weren't allowed to have an opinion, let alone really disciple someone. This is a a faulty worldview. I mean, the word disciple, where we get the word discipline, literally means, again, to teach those around us to obey all that Jesus commanded the disciples to do. We see this division in worldview so clearly now. And the the two attacks really when we look at uh, the main cultural attacks right now in social media are, uh, and even in ma- mass entertainment is attacking the family and faith. So anti-family, anti-faith culture. We see that across the board in the university systems where parents are cut out, literally cut out from the source of information and context, even though even though the most compelling students, the most compelling studies on socioeconomic success show us that the number one predictor of success for a student is an involved parent. (laughs) So why are we severing that tie? 
Why are we creating these environments of division? Why are we why are we fighting against one another instead of the enemy of our souls? Why are we not uniting to 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 bond, to band together against a common adversary? And I I ask churches this question because churches are the rescue mission, the hope of the world. And to be able to open your doors as a pastor and take in a homeschool community to train parents to disciple their children. Two generations of influence, such a powerful ROI. When we can do that, when we can when we can really begin to reach the communities, community-centric, family-governed, parent-governed institutions, that's when we're going to see a shift in the culture. And I think... You know, if you if you grew up in the last two generations in the public school environment and you were told to keep your opinions to yourself, you were told to there's only one type of truth and that's the idol of individual truth. There's no allowance of absolute truth. There's no encouragement to speak up against a divergent opinion or break free of a social norm. But the Bible is very clear on our responsibility. We don't just look the other way. So if you have a a friend who's heading down a destructive path. Nurture and admonition is part of discipleship. Yes, Matthew 7, 5 says we take the plank out of our own eye first, so we're not a hypocrite, but we still help the friend remove the speck, right? And so maybe you're today in a place where you see that you've got some conflict in the way you're leading your family. Maybe there's a conflict between the word of God and how you're living. It's time to draw a line in the sand. I mean, we're with him or we're against him. That's really the only us and them. So I want to encourage you, make a determination in your heart today that you're going to step over the line and renew your mind and renew your family. Of course, our local answer to the global crisis in education is Chula Vista Christian University. And through our inquiry-based model, we founded 32 kindergarten and 12th grade homeschool academies across the U.S. And we are literally watching the culture shift from the most atheist, anxious, depressed generation in history to to a generation that is founded in biblical principles. I'm calling on churches across the U.S. to be part of the solution. You can go to academicrescuemission.com to arm your congregation against pagan indoctrination, or you can go to cbcu.us to learn more about our college model. We're here to help you break free from the system. And don't forget to check out my latest book, Outsourced, Why America's Kids Need an Education Revolution. You can find that at cbcu.us. Again, thanks for joining me on today's show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I'll be back next week with more tips and tools of the trade. We'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode, or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.